Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your copy of God's Word this morning, turn to Proverbs chapter 28. We're going to look at Proverbs 28 in just a few minutes and also the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7, and we'll look at verse 11 and following. Proverbs chapter 28 and Joshua chapter 7. For the past five weeks, I shared a series of sermons based on the book, I Am a Church Member, written by Dr. Tom Rayner. I announced that that would be uh, five sermons, series of sermons, uh, five sermons. He suggested in his book that churches in America today are, on, are in decline because the majority of those who classify themselves as Christians and church members do not have a biblical understanding of church membership. In our series, I discussed that a biblical church member first is a functional church member. We use 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 22, or 12 through 22, uh, where we uh, realize that each member of the body of Christ was given spiritual gifts, natural abilities, in order that the church of God uh, the family of God, the church, might be uh, uplifted and edified and built up. And then uh, we, I shared about believers, that uh, a biblical church membership believes that uh, membership is not about preferences, their own preferences, their, their own desires. It's not about us, but it's about serving other people. Then I shared about uh, a biblical church member is a unifying church member, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, how we're to love each other. That a biblical church member is a unifying church member. And then I spoke about a biblical church member teaches his or her family to be healthy church members. And I shared my own personal testimonies and how I was taught as a child to 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 love the church and have concern for the church. And then last week I shared that a biblical church member sees church membership as a gift. We talked about the gift of salvation and what was all involved in salvation. However, today I, I want to add one other sermon to our series. I guess it's sermon number six of a five-part sermon series. But anyway, I want to add just one more sermon and... Um, uh, that's not discussed in Dr. Rayner's book, and I want to do this without a purpose of being critical, but I feel that uh, all the previous mentioned characteristics of a biblical church member uh, will be really unattainable unless this characteristic is not understood and is experienced in every church member's life. And so this morning I want to share with you about, and I think the screen has, a biblical church member understands the consequence of sin. I want to lengthen that just a little and say a biblical church member understands that unconfessed sin will hinder their work or their walk with the Lord, their fellowship with the Lord, their fellowship with other believers, and their work in the kingdom of God. Unconfessed sin will hinder a believer's walk with God, their fellowship with God. Unconfessed sin will hinder your prayer life, your Bible study life, 
your devotional life, your teaching life, your preaching life. Unconfessed sin will hinder your walk, your fellowship with God, your fellowship with each other, and then the work that will hinder your work in the kingdom of God. Now, the key words in that title are unconfessed sin. A biblical church member understands. Now, if, if you're saved and you're a member of the body of Christ, you should know by now that unconfessed sin will hinder your fellowship with God and with each other and the work that you do in the church. That's kind of a gimme. Now, the problem is, do you care about it? Do you care that you have unconfessed sin in your life? Are you willing to uncover that? If, are you willing to confess that sin where you can have a fellowship with God and with each other and that your work in the kingdom of God doesn't, does not hurt? Now, Proverbs 28, verse 13, Proverbs 28, verse 13, says this, He that covereth, now another translation says, He that hides, he that, conceals he that covereth his sin shall not prosper shall not benefit shall not be rewarded so he that covereth his sin shall not prosper but whoso whoever anyone confesseth and forsaketh word forsaketh there literally means to Forsake it, to turn from it, literally means to repent. Whosoever, or whoso, or whoever, or whosoever, or anyone confesseth and forsaketh them, their sin, shall have mercy. God shall offer mercy. And so... Literally, if you confess your sin, you repent, you forsake your sin, God will have mercy on you and He will forgive your sin. Now, this morning, if you're a lost person, you're an unbeliever, you've never trusted Jesus Christ, that promise, that promise of forgiveness, that promise of mercy to you should make you rejoice this morning knowing that whatever you've done in your past, whatever you're, you've done in your present, whatever you've done contrary to God's law, to His statutes, to His commandments, if you confess and see that sin as God sees it, that's what confession means. It means to see it as God. It doesn't mean to verbally confess it, as we would think, sharing. But if you see it as God sees it, and you say to God Almighty, God, I see this as sin. I'm convicted the way you see it. If you see it, if you confess it, if you confess your sin, if you forsake your sin and turn from it, repent of it, God will have mercy on you. Now, Christian, the promise should make you rejoice. It should make all of us rejoice this morning. 
that whatever we've done, whatever we've done, contrary to God's law, contrary to His statutes, if we confess, if we see that sin as God sees it, and we repent of that sin, we turn from that sin, we forsake that sin, God will have mercy on us, to the lost and to the saved. Proverbs 28, verse 13 The point is this, God is willing to forgive and have mercy if the lost and the saved will only confess and turn from their sin. In Mountain View Baptist Church, I've mentioned before that we have a great assignment before us. And God has raised us up literally from dirt, out of nothing, in order to get, in order to challenge us for what He has for us in the future. Now, the challenge will be handed to someone else if we and those among us simply continue to justify and to conceal our sins. Now look at Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7 familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to look at at verse, uh, I believe we'll start with verse 11. Now, you've probably read this passage. I preached from this passage a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. You've read the passage. But this morning, I pray that God will speak to you. I pray that He will speak to you for your sake and for our sake as the body of Christ. I pray that He'll speak to us. Now notice, in the previous verses, I'll call you, just bring you to remembrance, uh, the children of Israel had defeated this great city of Jericho. You remember the story, how they marched around the city and so many days, so many times, so many days, and they broke their vessels, their jars, their lamps, and they shouted, and the walls came, blew the trumpets and shouted. The walls came tumbling down. It was a great victory. It was a miraculous victory. Only God could have brought about the defeat of that city with His people. And then God previously had commanded all those people, when, when, when uh, Jericho falls, don't take anything. All of those things in the city are sanctified. They're set apart for me. For God. It's accursed. Those things are set aside for me. However, there was one man, you remember his name, Achan. Achan disobeyed God and he took of the accursed thing. So Israel was met with a challenge immediately after that victory. The vict- and the challenge was to go up against a small city of Ai. And all of a sudden, this army of God, they were defeated. The Bible says their hearts melted. Look, if you will, at verse 11. Israel hath sinned, and they, have no tra- and they also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. One man, Achan, took the accursed thing, 
went and buried it under his tent. Therefore the children of Israel, verse 12, could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their, their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore. You see that? Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Lesson number one from Achan. When you conceal your sin, God is not with you. When you conceal your sin, God is not with you. He wasn't with Achan. He wasn't with the entire nation of Israel. Lesson number two, when you sin, you affect a lot of people. Remember, it's an accursed thing. Achan was the one that sinned. But if you'll look at verse 11, the Bible says Israel hath sinned. Not only did God hold Achan accountable, He held the entire nation accountable. The lesson is, when you sin, you will affect a lot of people. The point is, you never sin in a vacuum. You affect your parents, you affect your spouse, you affect your children, you affect your friends, you affect your church family, you affect those uh, that you work with, you affect those on the job, you affect those at school. You never sin in a vacuum. Number four, unconfessed sin always has deadly results. Look, if you will, at verse 24. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Lesson number three. All right, lesson number four. Unconfessed sin always has deadly results. So the Bible explicitly says the wages of sin is death. And that's just not for a lost person. That's for anybody that dilly-dallies around with sin. Sin will kill you. Just remember the devil's not your buddy. The devil's not your friend. The Bible says he's your adversary. Jesus says the thief comes to steal and to kill, that's the devil, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil's coming to steal your happiness. He's coming to destroy your marriage. He's coming to destroy your home. He's coming to destroy your job. He's coming to destroy your reputation. He's coming to destroy your income. And he's coming to kill you physically and spiritually if he can. He's not your friend or buddy, he's your adversary, and he's on the prowl. And this morning you may say, well, this sin that I'm concealing really is not that big. You see, God just sees it as sin. It's just sin. This is no big thing. I'm sure Achan thought the same thing. It's just a garment, it's just a little silver, a little gold, it's nothing big. God says it's a major thing. 
This won't affect anybody but me. You ever heard that? That's a lie from hell. Always remember that. You don't sin in a vacuum. It affects everybody. Nobody's ever going to know about this but me. I've got it buried in my tent. Have you got something buried in your tent? Let me just tell you something that I found out just by experience. God knows about it. He knows about it. And unless you confess it and repent of it, God will confess it and let everybody know about it. He does that. If you don't believe that, ask those who was involved in that scandalous website recently. If you don't believe that, ask the governor of Alabama if God will let it be known. You can't conceal anything from God. He says to confess it and to forsake it. Here's the point. It's a dangerous thing to sin and to conceal your sin. So the question this morning is this. Would you be willing to get serious with God about your sin to the point of confessing your sin and forsaking your sin? You see, a biblical Christian, a biblical, I should say a biblical church member, understands the seriousness of unconfessed sin. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I don't have any unconfessed sin. I'm good. Really? Is that true? You pharisaically say, I'm clean before God, and you can't think of one thing that you haven't confessed, but yet you go on day after day after day. You have an unforgiven spirit. You practice God's standard of forgiveness in your life, and His standard is, I forgive everybody for everything all the time. That's His standard. So you're good? The point is, Christians forgive. Do you conceal? or Are you concealing any unforgiveness right now in your life? And then you're trying to, to practice biblical Christianity? Number two, do you practice the sin of covetousness? Kyle taught this the other night, and it was fantastic. It's not about wanting the things of your neighbor. We found out that it's just a constant craving. It's just that... You know, it's when you just can't get enough of stuff. And then we found out that covetousness leads to idolatry. Idolatry? Like worshiping another god? Idolatry is putting anything else in God's place. Putting TV in God's place, putting computer in God's place, pleasure in God's place, hobbies in God's place, sports in God's place. Are you an idolater? Are you having your quiet time? Or is it because you're tied up with all this other stuff that you're worshiping all those things, you don't have time to worship God in your own quiet time? Number four, are you concealing the sin of guilt? Guilt. Now how do you deal with this thing called guilt? Let me suggest this to you. Number one, I jotted down, to deal, with deal, uh, to deal with guilt, you must confess the sin that created the guilt. If you don't confess the sin, you're going to be reminded constantly about your sin. There's the guilt. 
you confess the sin that brought about the guilt. Not do you only confess the sin, but you turn from it. You turn from it. You admit the sin that caused the guilt. You turn from that sin. And then you simply accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, Jesus said, If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So this morning you may be concealing an unforgiven spirit, a, the sin of covetousness, a sin of idolatry, the sin of guilt. What about the sin of rebellion? We talked about this last Sunday night. Well, what's rebellion? I don't rebel, Brother Sammy. Here's what rebellion is. It's real simple. It's kind of neat. Rebellion is knowing that God's wanting you to do something. You won't do it. Can't get much simpler than that. Maybe God's wanting you to sing in the choir. You're just not going to do it. You're going to bow up on God for this service and that service or for this, for this uh, service, and, and you're just not going to do it. I found out last week that there's a rebellious spirit, and this rebellious spirit is, is, is sinful, and God sees it as serious. Because ultimately it's against God. And you wander in the wilderness... And you miss the blessings that God has for you. I like what C.S. Lewis said, and it was just on, tacked on the bottom of our sheet last week. Let me share it with you for you that were not here or those that missed it. He says, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those who say to God are those whom God says, all right, then have it your way. This morning... Are you ready to get serious with God about sin, about confessing sin, about repenting of sin? Now, if you are, God's ready to get serious with you about forgiveness and mercy. When you walked in this morning, you, you received your, you received your uh, announcement sheet. And in the left-hand corner of that announcement sheet, everyone should have received a little card stapled to the top. Like this right here. And it just says, I nail my sins to the cross. I appreciate Rachel and the choir singing that a few minutes ago. I nail my sins to the cross. And then you have a hammer and nail. And then you have 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to and forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have that little card. And this morning... In just a few minutes, we're going to do something with these cards. We have, uh, have two crosses up here. And uh, we have some, we have some uh, tacks. And so in just a few minutes, what I'd like for you to do, we're going to have some quiet time. don't want you to write anything on these cards. What I want you to do, I want you to mentally... Whatever sin you have hidden, whatever secret sin you have, whatever sin you have concealed, whatever's hindering you from serving God, being what God wants you to do as a biblical church member, I want you to mentally put it on this card. And then at the appropriate time, when the time comes, then I want you to come and I want you to tack it. I want you to nail it to the cross what can wash away my sins? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So precious is thy flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can't wish your sins away. You can't pretend your sins aren't here or in you. You have to confess your sins and turn from your sins in order to receive forgiveness and mercy from God. Would you be willing to do that today? Lost and saved alike. You've got them tucked away somewhere. Mentally, today I want you to list them. You know, I've been been praying about this sermon for weeks and weeks and weeks, and God never would let me preach, nail it to the cross. Until today. Now I want you to remember when you conceal your sin. Really important. God's not with you. Your sin affects a lot of people. God will always reveal your secret sins. And your unconfessed sins, your hidden sins, those secret sins. As deadly. They have deadly results. What I want you to do is mentally, in just a few minutes, put your sins on that card. And then I want you to claim that verse, 1 John 1, 9. And just say something like this in a prayer to God. God, I confess this as sin. I see it as you see it. I repent of it. I turn from it. Please have mercy on me and forgive me. You say you will. I trust you will. And I accept that forgiveness. Then in a few minutes, I want you to just come and tack that to the cross. Don't sign a name. Don't do anything. Just put that on the cross. I'm going to ask Kyle to come at this time and and sing for us. Let's have a prayer. And then I'll share something right after after he sings. Father, speak to our heart. As David prayed, reveal to us our secret sins. Lord, that we might make things right with you, that we we can function as as a biblical church member and do the work. Father, I know that sin hinders our fellowship with you, with each other, and it hinders our work in the kingdom. So thank you, Lord, for an opportunity just to lighten the load of things that we're carrying around. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My heart is like a house. One day I let the Savior in. There are many rooms that we would visit now and then. But then one day he saw that door. I knew the day had come too soon. I said, Jesus, I'm not ready for us to go in that room. Cause that's the place in my heart Where even I won't go I've got some things here
sitting there Tears of love on his face He said, I want to make you clean Let me go in your secret place So I opened up the door and the two of us walked in I was so ashamed His light revealed my hidden sin But when I think about that room now I'm not afraid anymore Cause I know my hidden sin That was a place in my heart Where even I wouldn't go I had some things hidden there Didn't want no one to know But he handed me the key Tears of love on his face and he made me clean I let him in my secret place Is there a place in your heart Where even you won't go Just a moment, we're just going to have a song. You heard the choir sing it just a few minutes ago. We're going to play it kind of like an invitation hymn. It's called Nail It to the Cross. That's what we want to do this morning. So let me encourage you in just a few minutes. I'm going to pray for you, and then you come, and there'll be some tacks here just by the Lord's Supper table. The cross will be here on each side of the table. And you come and just nail it to the cross, confess it, repent of it, forsake it, Go on and serve the Lord like he wants you to. Let's have a prayer together. Father, thank you for our time that we have just to think about sin in our life that we conceal, that we hide. Sometimes, Father, we, uh, we don't repent as soon as we should and we forget about those things. And, and then you remind us from time to time. Thank you, Lord, for uh, forgiveness. Thank you for Mercy, thank you for grace. And I pray at this time, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. For those that are here without Christ, I pray, Lord, that they would come today and trust Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.